Now I gotta leave that fart part in. I was gonna cut that out. Oh. You can't cut it out. Just, it was a tip in the tongue, Ken. Sorry. <laughs> back to another episode of 1980s now a weekly examination i'm seeing if i could do it from memory a weekly examination huh a weekly Uh, examination of uh, 1980s pop culture 1980s pop culture and Uh, and it's it's continued influence influence today today. my name is uh (laughs) will will Will. yeah yep 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 that's right and uh joining me as always are my friend and co-host cat and the man who gives great hugs, Sean. Howdy. All five, hey four guys. of him. <laughs> with sitting on phone books. Exactly. Hi, guys. <laughs> and don't you dare forget, in addition to his co-hosting duties here, John also hosts his very own mm-hmm. podcast, Gen X Grown Up. Yes. Hey, on today's show, we're going to be, I'm very excited about this. We're going to be speaking with the former president of Pressman Toy. Jim Pressman. I mean, his Mm -hmm. name is in it. Mm -hmm. And his wife, Donna (laughs) Pressman, will also be joining us. Jim and Donna just put together this book. I'm looking for the book. Like, I can't talk about it without actually holding it. (laughs) You're probably sitting on it, right? You're trying to get taller than John. Yeah, I want to be 5'2". It's a, a century of American toys and games. The story of Pressman toy, how one family shaped the way we play. And it really is a chronology of the work that this family did for decades because it's the 100th year anniversary this year 2022 Mm -hmm. uh, to bring us our families you know hours and hours of joy and companionship and bonding Mm -hmm. and arguments and (laughs) (laughs) squabbles and yeah. Well, we can talk more about it. Still today. Yeah. Game experiences. We have have Pressman games in the regular rotation even today. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm going to quiz you about it later. Not, not, not a game. Not a real game, John. Just Damn it! He's got we me. Better, we better have a game <laughs> for an episode about answers. games. But before <laughs> that, before we talk to the Pressmans, mm-hmm. we're going to review current news stories related to 1980s media, including a new Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario or Super Mario? How do you guys say it? Mario. Oh, Mario. Super, I say I Mario. Say, yeah, Mario. I think I say Mario. I think I was the New Jersey thing. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, Mario. I, <laughs> I, I got it from hey. Mario. You know, the kid down the street. Mario. <laughs> uh, Super Mario Brothers trailer just dropped some behind the scenes details about Disney Plus's new Willow series and the trailer <gasps> and the name of the forthcoming mm-hmm. Indiana Jones sequel. They're finally here. <sighs> There's time codes in the show. Oh my God. That's one of the best aspects of the trailer. Right? I, 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 I know. I know. Right. We'll get there. Get we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> and as if it were planned, we have the perfect sponsor for this episode. I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit later about the place where I buy all my games, oh. board games, RPGs, <laughs> accessories, and you can too. I'm talking about Recess Games. Well, you can find them at recess.net, R-E-C-E-S-S.net, and I'll tell you a little bit more about them later on. Hey, time codes are in the show notes if you'd like to skip around. All right, hey, let's get caught up on 1980s. Yeah, look, we just teased it, and here we are. This week in 1980s news... <laughs> this this is what I wrote, Kat, based on something that you had sent over. Oh were we Wong? Were we Wong? Were we Wong? Were Elmer? Were we wrong about Chris Pratt's Mario? All right, so look, we finally got to see the the trailer or, or the latest trailer because we did have a smaller, a shorter trailer. It's just a, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. But now we get to see more yep. characters. We get to hear uh, Anya 
Taylor Joyce Peach, Charlie Day as Luigi, Jack Black again as uh, Bowser. Mm -hmm. uh, we get to see Donkey Kong now. Mm -hmm. And finally, we get to hear some more words yeah. from uh, Chris Pratt as Mario. Mm -hmm. I contemplated not watching this so yeah. that we could, I could, you know, live, oh, live watch it again. again. You know, live react. Yeah. <laughs> but I Is that what you did? Or did you watch it? I watched it. Oh, good. Well, yeah. great. Couldn't help myself. You know, I forgot to tell you, Kat, one of the, the greatest things that I really love about you is when you tell us about content that you were going to provide, but that you ultimately decided not to. <laughs> That's really cool. That's fun for the show. You know, there's an expression about that. Something about the intentions or Oops. in the pathway somewhere. All right. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Is this... Oh man! Um, look, Cat, Cat, thanks for taking all the abuse from me this show. Yeah. I really appreciate. it. Oh, hang on, John. I'm coming for you. <laughs> okay, fair no, I'm not. I'm not. It's time to play. <laughs> I got a bad feeling about this. All right, so. What did you guys think about the, this uh, latest trailer? I enjoyed watching it, and I'm okay with the voice. Oh, I think it's cool. I'm I'm fine with it. Mm. Uh oh, looks like you guys disagree. <laughs> I want to say something about one of the other voices, though. I'm listening okay. to Which Princess one? Peach. Yeah, and I'm like, huh, that's so familiar. Oh, so wow. familiar. And then I forgot who it was, and I looked it up. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's from the the Queen's Gambit, the actors from the Queen's Gambit, right. which I yes. love. Yeah. Right. On your yeah. Taylor Joy. But yeah. I'm okay with Mario's voice. Hmm. Well, the trailer itself, I thought, was <laughs> was great. Mm -hmm. I guess it's mm -hmm. almost like a, uh, it felt like a checklist for fans. <laughs> that was a long checklist. Oh. It was It was like, yes. I can imagine, you know, somebody going, if you do a Mario movie, it damn well better have this in it. Yeah. You know, and what's the <laughs> list? Rainbow Road, yeah. Rainbow Road, Super Smash Brothers, Fire Flower, <laughs> Mushrooms. The mm -hmm. fish, the the laiku or whatever the fish, I forget yeah. they're called, the jump across. Like uh -huh. mm -hmm. <laughs> the, mm -hmm. the blocks you step on and they they quickly turn red and fall. Right. Mm -hmm. Every little like mechanic that mm -hmm. you would imagine <laughs> a Super Mario fan had to see. They're like, all right, let's just squash this now and show them all the stuff they hope is in the movie. Yeah. And the next trailer, <laughs> we'll talk about story. Because there was no story here. It was just set no, pieces no. Yeah, showing yeah. off all the stuff and the yeah. fan service, which was fun. And mm -hmm. I think it all looked great. You ask yep. about the Chris Pratt voice. It just sounds like Chris Pratt doing a Mario impression to me still. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder if I would have known, if I didn't know if, that it was Chris Pratt, mm -hmm. I wonder if I mm -hmm. would have been able to figure that out. Not necessarily. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, like you guys said, I agree. It looked fantastic. The animation, look, it's what, illumination? It, you, mm -hmm. you don't have to yeah. worry about that. That's going to be fine. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, working so closely with Nintendo to make sure it's in the spirit and style that they are consistent with their games. Not worried mm -hmm. about that. Yeah, I thought, John, my thought was with regard to the Easter eggs and the things being checked off. Holy cow. Why are they so worried that we might not like this? And then we only heard uh, maybe four or five seconds worth of Mario's voice. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. other characters are talking at length. We're talking much more, yes. Uh, <laughs> I did dig some of the Easter eggs, John, that at least spoke to our generation. Seemed like you were callbacks to the original game, you know, where you saw that. It looks like an 8-bit Donkey Kong in the sort of the background of that Coliseum. Uh -huh. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. yep. Of course, they're mm -hmm. fighting on the platform that mm -hmm. could be Smash Brothers, mm -hmm. but it's also the original game, those girders. Or it's like a Donkey right. Kong ziggurat that they would play on together, right? Yes. Oh. Yeah, that was cool. And I got to say, my man Donkey Kong absolutely pummeled Mario. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't get to hear Seth Rogen as as Donkey Kong, but he did. Yeah, he made quite an uh, appearance there. He did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it seems to be right that Mario and Luigi come from our world, so to speak, and are transported mm -hmm. to this magical land. So he is is a fish out of water 
Chael, he, uh, I don't know what he should be expecting to be able to fight of <laughs> an anthropomorphic gorilla. My favorite part of the entire trailer <laughs> yep. had nothing to do with Mario or Donkey Kong, which oh. are my two favorite characters. What but my favorite part actually wasn't the fart. It wasn't the fart. <laughs> it wasn't no? the fart. <laughs> I perfect. didn't even know about that. That's an Easter egg. That's a deep cut. <laughs> it actually wasn't the part of the trailer I liked. It was what the trailer showed off. And that was some pretty smart writing. And that was a little scene between Bowser and Luigi. Oh yes. Right. And he's holding him there and he's like, what makes you think that I, you know, I know every other human that has a mustache that looks like me, that has the first initial of his name on his hat. Well, I don't, it was just really smart. And I'm like, that's the kind of writing that it's, it's not just, Oh, Mario, there's some clever stuff in there. So that's optimistic for me. I forgot about that. Yeah, that drew my attention as well. Mm-hmm. You know what occurred to me when I was watching it? I really liked that scene as well. And what occurred to me was Charlie Day doesn't sound like what we'd expect from Luigi from the based on the video games. But for mm. some reason, and I don't think it's because I love Charlie Day, that didn't bother me at all. Mm-mm. That he sounded no, the way he, he did. seemed fine. He seemed fine. But Chris oh. Pratt, I don't know, it bothered me. And we heard very little of him. And I really wish I had, did have time to prepare for a game because what I wanted to do, and it wouldn't have worked for you guys, we would have to get somebody who hadn't seen the trailer, is uh, play some different Chris Pratt animations that he's done before and see if you mm-hmm. could tell which one is from the Mario trailer. Because, yeah. uh, and I did yeah. cut some of his, uh, I did. this is all the dialogue he has in the thing I have here for Okay. You. All right. That's a go. Oh, I got this. No problem. <laughs> A lot of the, he does is grunts and moans and <laughs> it's just it's Andy Dwyer from the office doing a Mario impression yeah. or, or the or Parks and Rec whatever he was on yeah okay I gotta say it doesn't sound as good without the animation no, <laughs> accompany <no>. it <laughs> again I think he probably got the job when he was hotter and he's mm. kind of <sighs> except for Jurassic World which seems to be hanging on mm-hmm. his star mm-hmm. is not as bright as it was a few yeah. years ago yeah hmm. I'm not really down on it though I expect once I get in the theater. And I start yeah. watching it. That's going to fade away. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm not paying attention to that voice is bothering me unless it's really leaping out at me, and it kind of isn't. Yeah. I think we'll just it'll grow on us. I expect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. excited for the movie. It looks like a great adventure, uh, mm-hmm. colorful yeah. and fun. Like a, you know, I, I really enjoy those types of uh, animation films for the most part. <laughs> What happened, Kat? I just, I just imagine John going in the theater waiting for the part with the fart. <laughs> it's never coming. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the fart from the trailer? <laughs> All right. Hey, another 1980s news. And speaking of adventures, uh, I want to talk about the new Willow series. I guess, first of all, it's been out since it opened. Uh, no- Kat's still getting herself together. <laughs> She's still picturing you in an empty theater or the lights dimming and 90 minutes later. Ah, Finally. Finally, John gets some relief because that scene appears. I feel so much better now that I've seen the scene I was waiting for. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to try now. (laughs) Well, we'll just continue. We'll just have a track of you laughing behind us. Uh, How is that different? (laughs) (laughs) Cat wasn't available today to record, so we just have this track of her giggling behind us for an hour now. From last week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Just just trying to get this show done. I'll give me to do. I'm getting a big ab workout here. (laughs) Unintentional (laughs) workout. Okay. 
I wanted to ask you guys, uh, mm-hmm. if, you, if I don't know where, how this is getting cut together. Maybe this is all in, whatever. Um, so Willow opened uh, or premiered on in Disney Plus November 30th. Have you seen any of it? Did you watch any of it yet? No. Okay. Have just yesterday. I did watch the first episode. And, uh, okay. I look forward to watching the second episode. I'll say that much. Great. Okay. All right. But uh, so without right. any spoilers, we could touch, uh, well, maybe with a minor spoiler, we could touch base on a couple of uh, updates with regard, behind the scenes updates with regard to the show, including mm-hmm. the fact that we touched on this a little bit a few months ago when we were talking about anticipating the show coming out. Some news was coming out uh, mm-hmm. about the making of it. At that time, we discussed that Val Kilmer is not in the series, but we have, right. we, we learned that he wasn't written out of the plot until essentially they were set to produce. So he was mm-hmm. intended to be there until the last very moment. Wow. Yeah. Of course, Val Kilmer played Mad Mardigan uh, in the original 1988 film. Now, that said, he still remains an important presence in the new series uh, with uh, sh- showrunner John, John, uh, Jonathan uh, Kasdan mm-hmm. wanted him, desperately wanted him to be a part of the show. Mm-hmm. Kilmer yeah. wanted to be in it. Um, but, uh, you know, he was struggling with his health prior to it because he had uh, a bout with throat cancer. Yeah. Yep. And even though he reprised his role as, as Iceman in, in Top Gun, it was a brief scene where he typed most of his dialogue. And so even, but mm-hmm. even after that, right. Kasdan said uh, Kilmer was still up for anything. So it wasn't until COVID struck that finally Kilmer said, you know what, I, I don't think I should participate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't blame the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. little no. was known about it at the time. And he had some, you know, what were they call those uh, comorbidities? Yes. That made the, yes. the, the uh, illness more life-threatening to him. So right. at the last moment, they're rewriting the script to cut his character, at least from seeing his character out of the show. But he is so important to the story that his presence is still felt. I mean, his kids are the leads of the story. You know, that's who we follow. So th- that's what I was about to ask you, having seen the first episode, is yeah. knowing what we know about how he was, I mean, written out, not written out with malice, but written out because of such conditions, right. whether or not right. they like phased him away, but he's actually still very much like central to the story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. And um, yeah, again, no spoilers, but uh, obviously he's mentioned a lot and uh, his mm-hmm. presence looms large over the lives, the lives of these characters and how they were impacted wow. uh, by it. Nice. Uh, and with regard to having to rework the script and the story, Kazan said he had to quote, figure out a way to preserve the story we wanted to tell with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've tried to do that and work with him in a way that he has felt and heard, if not seen. Okay. And mm-hmm. now I thought that mm-hmm. is, if not seen, does that mean we're going to have some kind of visual trickery or I don't know. They haven't shown, I haven't seen anything like that, but. Oh, uh, I just took it hmm. to mean. Since he's not going to be seen. Since be, not. Yeah. yeah more of a yeah. since. Yeah. I agree. It could huh. be that way. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Well, either way, the show so far, I'm enjoying it. So that's uh, great. And, there's a lot and it of, doesn't mean he can't ever be in it, right? Right. Maybe. In fact, the Kazan, while they've only, you mm-hmm. know, wrapped on season one, Kazan's hopeful if they get a second season, Kilmer will be able to join them then. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. addition to that uh, bit of a behind the scenes information, there's a, uh, the uh, Kazan also spoke uh, to Polygon in a recent interview and to talk about the development of the show. And there's two points I want to highlight. There's a whole lot of cool stuff he said in there, in particular about how influential 1980s movies were on. Him. Mm. Now you got to remember, Jonathan mm-hmm. Kasdan is the son of Lawrence Kasdan, famed uh, screenwriter who most importantly wrote uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back. Now he wrote and co-wrote and participated in writing in a whole bunch of other films that we love throughout the 1980s and since. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so there you go. So you know where he's coming from. You could check out that interview. But first, and only a minor spoiler that we uh, he talks about is how one of the female characters is wrestling with whether she's in love with her female best friend. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so front and center is this uh, queer romance. And I can hear already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're woke. <laughs> First of all, how did woke become a bad thing? I mean, how? <laughs> How? I was up at the Walmart and I heard about the wokeification of Willer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Welcome to Walmart. I was going to watch watch Willer on the the Netflix and then I heard it was queer. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. But the yeah. interviewer asked him how, how that came about and whether he received pushback from the studio mm-hmm. and Kaz and said that there was no pushback. Wonderful. Uh, no. And quote, hopefully the way that's, Great. that it's going to happen is that these kind of stories uh, that are just organic to the narrative we're telling find their way in and it becomes mm-hmm. less of a surprising and unusual thing to see, end quote. Mm-hmm. And that's what it seems like. I mean, it's very, again, it's a minor spoiler because very early on you get the vibe of what's going on, you know. Oh, even um, with just the first episode. Yes, mm-hmm. within the first few minutes, you're like, huh, ah, that was an interesting oh. glance. And then mm-hmm. before oh. the episode's over, you kind of. <laughs> Did you know about this t- uh, little tidbit, you know, this information before going watching? Um, or after? I might have read the news story already. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I don't think I would have made a difference. To get briefly on my soapbox, I will say, yeah, <laughs> love is love, and I can't wait until this kind of story is not a story. Yeah, right. What, right? what does it matter? You know, I, I think back to like it in the, the in the in the '60s and '70s when oh, there's an interracial romance in something, and that was a big deal, right? And now that's not a story anymore, right? You know? Yeah, that's just yep. people that care for each other. How they care for each other and how they orient themselves is entirely up to them. Just mm-hmm. tell me the story and yeah. don't categorize that as like breaking news. Right. <laughs> okay. Breaking news. Human beings care for one another. Damn, yeah. that is odd. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. It, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. So shouldn't off, off my soapbox. Yes. No, get back on that soapbox, yeah, John. You, you look much there. taller up there. It's a short oh, soapbox. No, 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 no. Only one bar of soap in it. One bar. <laughs> yeah, I agree, John, 100%. I, don't even have to get, I just agree, and that's the end of that. Yeah. Here, here. Who cares? I just don't, it's going to get too political if I start talking about it, but it's just like, yeah, I don't even understand why you care. <laughs> right. No one's making you do anything. All right. Well, there's right. another interesting right. point that, so speaking about, thinking about, like, to John's point, how far we've come, mm-hmm. you know, even since the 1980s, we didn't have mm-hmm. a, a whole lot of this kind of storytelling that, again, wasn't breaking news. But right. he said an interesting thing that made me think, well, maybe there's some some elements of 80s storytelling that are, are important today, but... Maybe it's mm. a, actually, now that I say that out loud, maybe it's something else that needs to change. Anyway, I'll tell you what it is. Another interesting point. Again, <laughs> <laughs> but before that, I hadn't considered. But first. But first, uh, this message from Del Monte. Another Ooh. interesting point that I hadn't considered. Uh, the interview notes her appreciation for how 80s fantasy movies, mm-hmm. uh, how in 80s fantasy movies, they weren't, a, 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 they weren't, or they were willing, let's say, to, to let kids be scared. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Kasdan talks about how the most traumatic movie moment for him is still resonating with him today is the scene mm. from the never ending story when Atreyu is trying to rescue his horse Ooh. being sucked down into that Ooh. mud. Uh-huh. Too soon. And he thinks that maybe <laughs> it, that it's important to have those types of experiences when you're when you're younger. And uh, mm-hmm. he says, quote, it's so critical to my matriculation and education as a storyteller and as an imaginative human being mm-hmm. was that these movies had this stuff and that was really sort of disturbing and stuck with you for their whole life. Mm-hmm. How it formed the iconography and of good and evil for you. Mm-hmm. End quote. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I think Generation X mm-hmm. people grew up to be such well-rounded adults 
is because we were prepared for that. You know, everything didn't have pool noodles cut around them. So, that, no, there were there were sharp edges. There were things we could bump into. Uh-huh. And it, if so, imagine never ending story, right? You're like, that was heartbreaking. That was wrenching. But ultimately, yeah. there were no stakes. Mm-hmm. But now you've had a mm-hmm. sample of what grief and loss is. So when you experience mm-hmm. it in real life, mm. you're not hit like a truck because you're like, yeah, yeah. I know what this feeling is. I get it. I've had some time to, it's almost like you've had an inoculation against grief right. because mm-hmm. you yeah. know how to deal with it on a small scale. So when it comes right. for real, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting mm-hmm. way of putting it. Yeah. And what he points out, mm-hmm. and that you make me think that this is, the way you worded it reminds me of something. He, he says that he's worried that today's youth they're bombarded with so much content mm-hmm. that they may not be impacted by any one particular moment or another. Sure. And I will add to that the fact that uh, I learned that uh, how using electronics, if you're constantly electronic, when you're using electronics, your brain does not have the opportunity to process grief, mm-hmm. emotions, memories, et cetera, in a way that it does. And so the amount of electronics that kids are on, I sound like a bunch of old people now. <laughs> so you don't, you not only don't have these singular experiences anymore before you're on to the next thing, but then you don't mm-hmm. even have a moment to process what you had experienced to, to benefit mm-hmm. from that so-called inoculation. Or channel it into something creative, like a, doing a story about something with your friends right? or, or some artwork or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, writing, yeah. writing something on your own. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I recommend the show and I look forward to talking with you guys when you eventually uh, see it. It's only got two episodes out so far. Okay. All right. Hey, and finally in 1980s news and boy, oh boy, this is hot and fresh breaking news. It just <laughs> came out literally right before we recorded the show. Anyway, <laughs> yes. I felt like uh, Steve Martin and the jerk, you know, the phone book's here. The phone book's here. <laughs> <laughs> he hates these cans. Uh, the trailer for the Indiana Jones, for, the trailer, the trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which I, I think they got to work on that name. I, doesn't our generation future? Yeah. <laughs> a rotary, rotary phone. Yeah. All I could think of was, I bet the Dial of Destiny goes to 11. <laughs> See, another, another Gen X reference. Yes. Yeah. And now I pictured a bar of soap. The Dial of Destiny. The guy slips on it and falls down a... In his tub Dial. changes his life my forever. Hip. Oh, my hip. <laughs> That's Indy. Marion. <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf comes in. He's like, not you. No, get your mother. <laughs> uh, anyway, Don't so the trailer, look at me. the trailer dropped. Did you guys get a chance to watch it? Uh-huh. So fresh. Ask me how many times I watched. Ooh, no. How many times did you watch, John? Four times. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, I watched it about three, four times too. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to watch it more than two, but I kept getting interrupted. So. There's a fair amount to unpack. <laughs> You're a kind person, Kat, because this is exactly what happened in my house. I watched Uh-oh. it. My my daughter is doing her homework, but she's uh-huh. not asking me homework questions. She's asking me about something else. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Dad? I pause it. Yeah. <laughs> she asked me a question. Okay, honey. I, I rewind mm-hmm. it. Start playing mm-hmm. again. Hey, mm-hmm. Dad? <laughs> honey, what is it? Okay another, okay, another thing. But third Everybody time I said- shut up. Daddy's watching the trailer. That's what I did. The third time I said, all right, honey, daddy's watching a trailer he's been waiting for years to come out. It's been 15 years since the last movie. She was since like, okay. Last okay. Bad okay. movie. I love you, honey. I'm sorry about that. Aww. Yeah. But, but, I'm gonna but watch do shut up. Anyway. Yeah, but do shut up. <laughs> 
So when I started watching, yeah. I had a little one that I could sit here yeah. and she kept chatting and chatting and chatting. <laughs> and I just kept turning the volume up. Oh no. And then she finally came over and she's, Ooh, and she said, I want to watch it. this with you. So then oh, that, my first viewing, it, it was, yeah. and I said, there might be some kind of scary parts. And she said, Oh, I like this. Oh, nice. Yeah. A couple of images in there were, you know, mm-hmm. ooh, little, little startling. So it was all good. So what did you think? <laughs> so excited. Yeah. I'm, op- I'm optimistic. I'm not wowed. I'm yeah. not wowed yet. You weren't wowed? It, it, it felt like a teaser trailer. There weren't mm-hmm. really many story beats, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, the action looked fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought the de-aging, what we saw of it, pretty good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it and go, yeah. ah, like you get that uncanny no. valley thing. No, now right, granted, we right. didn't see him talking or doing anything in any of those de-aged, you know, blast that went by in a you know, microsecond. Yeah. But yeah, at yeah, a glance, yeah. I'm like, even though I knew there was de-aging in it and I went, right. did they have old footage of him? Oh wait, no, I know better. <laughs> like it really looked good. Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah. And it's just that quick glance. It, it wasn't long mm-hmm. bits, but yeah. Ooh, I was very impressed. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of kind of janky special effects I mm. caught in there, but maybe it's just trailer level. They have it. Mm-hmm. We know there's this, there's a, there's a huge problem in the special effects industry right now where they have a real oh. backlog uh-huh. of work and they're being overworked and underpaid. And so some oh, stuff's wow. not getting done or getting done last minute or done poorly, but mm-hmm, I agree with mm-hmm. you, John, overwhelmingly, there's a couple moments in there where it's just shocking how well it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana, jo- Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford himself said mm-hmm. it's the first time he thinks it's de-aging has worked. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. And if he says it. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't want to steal this thunder from you, Will, because you've always commented oh, no, already right in this show. The best part of the trailer. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear what you part. think the best part is because I have a favorite. I have a best part too. Oh, okay. Will kind of already he, he kind of tipped yeah. his hand. I know what he thinks is the best part of the trailer. So what, no, go ahead and talk about say it. it. Later on. It's the it's the absolute triple fortissimo hit of the Indiana Jones oh, theme. I got chills just you saying. Yeah. There's like oh. a motorcycle leaping through. Yeah. I'm like, holy nice. crap! It just became Indiana Jones. Yeah. That moment. That was that was the only thing that gave me chills, but that moment definitely gave me chills. The first two times I watched it, I got chills. And I, I even like how I like how they um they made you wait for it. You know, they they mm-hmm. had a they, mm-hmm. they had like a slow down, just like a plunky piano version of it. Yes, you can almost yeah. not recognize it, but you knew it in your sort mm-hmm. of subconscious that was happening. Yep. And uh-huh. then they hit uh-huh. it with you, and I was like, oh, I got chills again just now talking about it. Again, it's <laughs> the third or fourth time. That's great. And John, you say you watched it four times. I watched it three or four times just to get to that moment again, like to experience Just to that. get there? Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't tell you the next three shots after that because I'm busy going, <laughs> yeah. yeah! I'm like, yes. oh, rewind. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to hear my favorite part? Oh, yeah. What's your favorite? Absolutely. At the end, mm-hmm. with the tables turning mm-hmm. on, yes. should I say this? Like, is it a oh, spoiler yeah, a for the trailer? trailer? It's in the trailer. <laughs> Go for it. So Indy's doing this crazy whip thing, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, all these guns get pulled out and pointed at him. Right. <laughs> right? And, and we, you know, like from the first one where yeah. the guy with, yep. what did he have? Swords or something? And yeah, he, just, he had a big sword. Indy just pulls out a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yep. was like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you said, John, it's not a lot of stories. It seemed like maybe just some footage. And it reminds me that I think this is almost exactly what was described as being shown at D23, uh, which wasn't quite a trailer, was more like a sizzle reel. But a mm-hmm. lot of these scenes, the running on the train, the I think that even that moment with the 
turning of the tables that Katz has described. It might have even been people talking about that they had seen an early screening, but almost <laughs> shot for shot, the things we saw, there's a foot race on, yes. on a train. Yep. There's a plane thing. Yeah. There's some underwater stuff. I'm like, these are exactly the scenes that are in the trailer. That's yes. all you knuckleheads saw. Yes, I agree, John. <laughs> and speaking of Overlord DVD, which I don't we shouldn't even name this person anymore. Ugh. What you just said is just another odd thing that shows that he's wrong. He was wrong. And along those lines, I will remind folks that as early as I want to say, uh, it was like April of 2021. And then again, mm-hmm. in October of 2021, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he went to tell folks that his sources had told him that time travel was involved. And he uh-huh. told this elaborate story that was from a leaked script where the old and young Indiana Jones would join forces to fight the bad guys together. Uh, and ultimately... Mm-hmm. They both get killed, and that's why Philippe, Phoebe Waller-Bridge mm. takes over. But now we can right. definitively say once again, this guy, Overlord DVD, mm-hmm. is wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> because we now know, according to the uh, uh, most recent uh, Empire magazine, which focuses on the new film, mm-hmm. the film's opening is set in 1944, about eight years after the uh, events in Raiders took place. And that mm-hmm. is why he is D, Harrison Ford is de-aged to look like a young Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And by the way, John, you're right. They did use a combination of old footage uh, and some Ooh. other uh, film trickery to create the illusion of him being younger. Awesome. And they had, uh, I don't know if Harrison Ford was wearing it or a double, but they used the original jacket from the first film. Yeah. To do it. Mm. They have to go get that out of the Smithsonian? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you're that's right. Stored? <laughs> right. It just crumbles. <laughs> <laughs> falls to dust. They're like, we'll just buy another one and tell them it was just all Oops. the right. That's right. It's the original, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> Why does it say Universal Studios on? Get that out of it. But 2022. After the, <laughs> that, that uh, sequence in the 40s, the film leaps forward to 1969 with, mm-hmm. with uh, Indiana Jones at his, his uh, you know, current age. And mm. that's where the most of the film takes place. So mm-hmm. wrong, he's wrong. But I especially like the reasoning because reason why Mangold even did this because uh, James Mangold, the director, explained that he wanted the chance to uh, dive into the film the way you know George Lucas and Steven Spielberg opened the original films. I mean, Lawrence mm. Kasdan, the way he wrote it, it's you know you think about the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know if it was Kasdan or Sid Field who you know originally created this sort of format for screenplaying, but the idea that the first ten minutes you just Boom! It's this combination of exposition and by your, you know, seat of your pants action mm-hmm. to really suck people in. And Mangold mm-hmm. wanted to do it just like they did in those early films, and that's why he set it at the time period where the character, you know, sort of, you know, was of that age of, mm-hmm. of those of those same uh, first couple right. movies. He was an adventurer still at that point. He was still in his prime and, and yeah. doing mm-hmm. that then. Yeah, I always I always t- call that the James Bond open. You know, it's great James Bond films that absolutely yes. hit you in the gut with an action sequence and Indiana Jones yes. films. Good ones, I'll point out, good Indiana Jones films mm-hmm. also <laughs> start that ones. way. <laughs> Not naming any names. But And with regard to the de-aging uh, of Harrison Ford, their hope, producer Kathleen Kennedy added, was mm-hmm. that audiences would watch the opening and think, quote, oh my God, they just found footage. Cool. It's working. Yep. So we got to wait until June of uh, next year for that to come out, unfortunately. But mm. uh, I will be there. Oh, yeah. Mm. This is for Overlord. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. It wasn't for you, John. <laughs> wow. Unless you're him. I'm not. And you talk <laughs> like an idiot. Not as far as you know. All right. And that was the news. 
Hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. All right, so hey, in a moment, as we talked about- Sneaky. We're gonna, pretty, pretty sneaky. Pretty sneaky, sis. Yes, I was gonna say sis. I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. You guys I don't know. Say. I don't think that's a Pressman toy game though, but- No, it's not. Sorry. That's okay. oh, Jim and Donna will forgive us. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of Jim and Donna, we're going to speak with Jim and Donna in just a couple minutes here, but I wanted to touch base with you guys with the role, how board games, the role they played maybe in your life growing up and today. Oh, yeah. Um, and for folks who are, you think you're not familiar with Pressman Toys, let me just run this down quickly because this is just, this is only what happened in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are familiar. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, you don't realize. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll throw a couple other things in here too. Okay. The reason why you know you play Chinese checkers is because of the Pressman. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rummy Cube Pressman. Yep. Uh, mastermind. Oh, I love oh, Mastermind. Yes. I, I was digging around in my closet before recording <laughs> mm-hmm. and I found, uh, found oh, you Mastermind. Did? Yep. <laughs> also known as the original Wordle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you're yes. Right. Yeah. yes. 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 Uh, Triominoes. Mm. Yep. Remember those? I haven't um, played it, but I've seen it. Yeah. And I'm talking about stuff that happened. Well, let's see. Mastermind was, yeah, Mastermind. Everything except for the Chinese checkers reference happened mm-hmm. when Jim was, uh, Jim, who we're going to be speaking to in a few minutes, uh-huh. was running the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He licensed more than a dozen TV game shows, including Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, he would go on to do Millionaire and other more right. contemporary Didn't ones. Pressman also do the Domino Rally? Like the, the, the Domino, oh the God, plastic John. Domino sets? <laughs> I oh. so wanted that. That had a crazy commercial that made you feel like you could do anything with dominoes. Oh. So I had I had a good friend that lives across the street from me. Yep. And he was fortunate enough to have divorced parents. Therefore, he got lots of toys. Oh. <laughs> they oh, competed. This, yeah. okay. Every time his dad came to visit, he came with yes. a bag full of toys for him. I can and I'm like, to that. Yes. you wow. lucky guy with divorced parents. Yeah, I'm wow. Anyway. <laughs> My stupid parents love each other. Anyway, but he had Domino Rally and he had the Star Wars figures and he had Domino Rally. Oh. And I went across the street to play with those things at his house. And some of them had the, the pieces of track that you, the dominoes are attached and you flip them up and it's a shortcut and oh. there are templates to stack the dominoes. It was so cool. Anyway, oh. that was Pressman too. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know how that worked. That's how that works. Those little uh, things that you're talking about with the track. That, it was yeah, so, I wanted it was that. So neat. Yeah. You got, you got to get you some, you got to get mm. you some. I, I, you know, reading their book, which is a fantastic book, by the way, mm-hmm. I immediately was also on eBay looking for it. Look, uh, some of these sure. games you could still get. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like I bet. But I was like, I want a vintage Domino Rally. I want a vintage <laughs> uh, space creatures. I want a vintage <laughs> magic world of Blackstone magic set. Because <laughs> my parents didn't get it for me, even though they should have gotten divorced. <laughs> oh no! Uh, Stupid happy parents. Topple, you guys remember Topple? That like it looked like a tree. Oh, the balancing the on the. Oh yes. yeah, oh, yeah. Huh. Uh, anyway, tons of ones. Let's go fishing. With the fish would go around a little motorized plate, and you have mm-hmm. to catch. No yeah. way. Now they're opening, closing their mouth. Yeah, they did yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like I the carnival game. That. Right? The, the one that's rigged against you. <laughs> and what's cool about the book is is they get they tell a lot of the stories of how these came to be you know and a lot of them are licensing from other companies a lot of them mm-hmm. are working with other companies that were also small families like themselves you mm-hmm. know it's a big look they're a huge company now and when 
early on when Jim started uh, running the company in 78 with Triominoes, they made $6 million that year. Wow. And uh, they did a little presentation <laughs> where they invited him to the front of the uh, uh, conference or mm-hmm. mark, it was a marketing meeting, I think. And they gave him a $6 million man action figure. figure. Oh, oh wow. Sweet. <laughs> but by 1989, they made $80 million in sales. So this is under oh. Jim's first 10 years. That's a lot of action yeah. figures to add up to that amount. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess what what role did games play in your lives as kids? Did you play a lot of board games? Uh, John talked about Domino Rally. Did you did you play games as a kid, Kat? Yes. Um, I loved, loved, loved playing Chinese checkers with my grandfather. Oh, mm-hmm. me too. And we... We did, um, well, dominoes, just regular old dominoes. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was a favorite. I can't say I've played the uh, exciting variations <laughs> that you guys have been uh, mentioning here, but the I'm certainly interested. and whatever. Yeah. Right. They had yeah. quad dominoes, I think, later on. Yeah. But I, I had a lot of the non-pressman games <laughs> were a part of my life as well. I don't really want to talk about those, <laughs> but, but certainly <laughs> I... <laughs> it was of no fault of my own. I threw no fault of my own. Just what I was think around. the pressmans will understand. I hope they would. They might. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, board games, I love them and they were an important part of yep. my life. And it's it was really cool to hear how like I because I never thought about where do these come from? Mm-hmm. Who made these? So, Did yeah. you guys still play uh board games in your households now? I know John said he still got some uh, Pressman games, right? I do for sure. We, we have stacks yeah. and stacks of them. I have a closet full of board games mm-hmm. in our dining room. We have the on deck stack that has been pulled from the closet because they're currently in rotation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have mm-hmm. the ones actually on the dining table that are in active play. So wow. we have board games all over the house. We don't play them as often as we would like to because we're very busy, but mm-hmm. they're out. So you can grab one and jump yep. in and play. Yeah. <sighs> Well, I need to come to your house because we have a lot of board games and I have no one yep. to play with. <laughs> oh. Yeah. My kids weren't really all that interested in them, interested mm-hmm. in them, or they'd want to play them in ways that weren't really <laughs> how you're meant to, to well, play them. Yes. <laughs> Who raised your kids? Clearly to raise them right. That's where I went wrong. <laughs> I see. The board game. Everything else, perfect. Everything Just the board else is game pretty opinion. good, yeah. <laughs> yeah we have a, a closet full, like you're saying, John, and it got to a point where recently I was like, I think I need to build shelves like, mm. in the mm-hmm. basement or somewhere else because mm-hmm. we, they just can't fit in here. And <laughs> it's a pretty big closet. Uh, so, um, But like you, the games that we're playing currently usually wind up just on a stack outside the closet mm-hmm. <laughs> on the floor, which... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the best presentation, but uh, you could build a little shelf right there outside the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of fascinating how, uh, in spite of how many options we have now, mm-hmm. uh, streaming services, video games, apps, you know, on our phones, all these mm-hmm. kind of things, that we still not only that we have an interest in playing board games with our families at all, that they're still making like hundreds and hundreds of new oh, games yeah. are being yeah. made. Yep, I've yep. gone to uh, J- J- I don't know, J- you ever go to Gen Con or uh. What's the other one? The one we have in Ohio. Uh, shoot. Gen Con's in Indiana. Anyway, there's a big gaming convention every year. Big gaming convention. Oh. I go to the Southern Fried Gaming Expo every year. Okay. And they have a huge board gaming section. It's enormous. Oh, okay. oh yeah. You can, you can check out games and bring them to the yep. table. And this is a convention that's full of old arcade machines and pinball machines and old computers. <gasps> and they have probably a third of the convention is board games. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, Origins oh uh, Game Theory is the big one that's uh, 
I think Origins and Gen Con are the ones. It's, it's pretty much all it is is board games, RPG games mm-hmm. for the most part. And right. the, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of board games, because we still purchase them like mad here. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for the perfect gift for the gamer in your life, I want to recommend to you the only place you need to shop for all your gaming needs, Recess Games. Okay. Which uh, you can find their online store at recess.net. Mm-hmm. And, you know, much like uh, Jim and uh, Don that we're going to talk to in a little bit, this is a family operation. For over 30 years, Recess Games has been owned and operated by avid gamers, Susan and James. Yeah, the the passion that they have for gaming is clear in every aspect of their physical and online stores. It's Mm -hmm. when you go to, if you're fortunate enough to live in Northeast Ohio like I am, when you go there, it is like the feeling you get walking into a Toys R Us when you were a kid. I mean, Mm. it's that kind of Mm. joy. You want to just run from shelf to shelf and table (laughs) to table and try everything out. Uh But uh, the fortunate thing for folks who don't live in Northeast Ohio is they have a fantastic online store with an immense catalog of products. And you could search it by name. Sure. Just like any other place. But, and this is how you know these folks are really into games. You can also search by gaming mechanics. Oh. You know, how the game is played. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? wow. So, Dice and spinners and meeples oh. and cards yes. and whatever, meeples? right? Yeah. What's See, cat's yeah. not as much into gaming as we are. Me- we are. Did you say meeples or meatballs? Meeples. <laughs> meeples. Meeples. Like peoples, but with a meeple. Are there any games you play with meatballs? <laughs> I'm hungry. Now I want to know. No, I'm gonna, <laughs> and is it I'm hungry, sick. hungry hippos with meatballs? Oh, Oh. There's marbles. And are we marbles, the not meeples. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I don't know. Yes. I don't, you're not going to find any meatball games, I don't think. You can't. Oh. With real meatballs. But there's probably one yeah. with fig meatballs. But <laughs> you can search uh, recess.net by whether it's a, like a resource building game, mm-hmm. uh, a family game, a historical war game, a bluffing game, which I suck at those games, by the way. <laughs> I am not comfortable lying game? in real life. Yeah, you have to lie. Like a werewolf. You have to mm-hmm. pretend you're not who you are or try to convince somebody or somebody else. Yeah. I am not good at those games and I do not feel comfortable doing it. I'm actually, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say that I'm really good at those games. Oh, <laughs> that is shocking. It doesn't make any sense to me, but. <laughs> anyway, it's also not games and just and puzzles. They also they sell all manner of gaming accoutrement. Oh, uh, you know, the stuff Fancy. that enhances the gaming experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, miniatures. Paints to paint the miniatures. Dice. You can never have too many dice, especially <laughs> if you play a role-playing game. And I've got too many dice. <laughs> and while they're, they've got the most well-known popular titles like Catan and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. they also have tons of, like we're talking about, independent games. In mm-hmm. fact, one real cool thing about Recess is they back Kickstarter projects for many in-development uh, games. So cool. don't take my word for it. Go and do it. You need to find a game. Seriously, go to recess.net, mm-hmm. click on shop and find your next game at Recess Games. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, we'll be back in just a moment with our guests today, Jim and Donna Pressman. Our guest today is the son of Jack Pressman, who in 1922 started what would become Pressman Toy, makers of the popular games Rummy Cube, Triominoes, and many, many more. Well, following Jack's passing in 1959, his wife, Lynn, became one of the first female CEOs in the industry when she assumed control of the company. And nearly 20 years later, as the 1980s neared, Lynn promoted our guest to president of Pressman. And even though our guest originally had no interest in running the family business, the company's success boomed under his leadership. Today, our guest and his wife have published 
A Century of American Toys and Games, The Story of Pressman Toy, How One Family Shaped the Way We Play. It's a fascinating chronology of the Pressman products that have brought joy to millions of families over the last 100 years. You can find it wherever books are sold. Please welcome to the show, Jim and Donna Pressman. Hey, guys. Hey, great to be here. Hello so- and welcome. Hi. You know, Thank you. Hey, I'm be gonna, here. I'm going to confess to you guys, we had some a technological scare right before we got on with you. And I was thinking, you know, you don't have those problems in the good old days, you know, when we just had to rely on board games and not technology. But then I just realized I would miss, you know, I'd be missing a chess piece or a checkers piece or something. And we'd have to, you know, <laughs> use a quarter or a penny or whatever. You'd- a rock. Yeah. <laughs> so Good news and bad news about the uh, technology today. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so uh, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Of course, we're speaking with you on the 100th anniversary of Pressman Toy, and you've got a wonderful book that just came out, A Century of American Toys and Games, The Story of Pressman Toy. How, and I love this little subtitle here, How One Family Shaped the Way We Play. And it's really, mm-hmm. for folks, look, if you're into no. games, it's a great book. Uh, but if you're into history it's a great book if you're into a really it's just an american story you know it's one of those classic tales uh, you know uh, yeah no it is an immigrant you know family many comes, stories here comes <laughs> comes into america starts with a little shop you know in harlem new york as mm-hmm. toys and sporting goods and a hundred years later you know we're one of the you know great game companies in the world yes wow and even the aspect of your father having gone off to war and coming back to start a company. I mean, again, yeah. it's just mm-hmm. what we, you know, what, uh, yeah. the promise yeah. of America, I suppose that we've. Well, you know, mm-hmm. when, when my wife and I did the research, we knew a lot about my mother's period, uh, which started in the mid forties, uh, until, you know, the seventies, mm-hmm. but Jack, uh, and his history was really unknown to us until we dove into some archives in uh, Rochester at the Strong Museum and the Children's Museum. Mm-hmm. And we found out uh, a gold mine of, of things that we just never knew about the beginning of the company. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was curious about that because, yeah, you know, there's so much in there and so much, so many stories, so many photos, so many ads. Yes. yes. What, what is the undertaking? Is this something that's pieced together slowly over a, a years? Yeah. Well, it took three years. It, it, it took us. It took us three years. But um, the part I loved so much was that um, we were both excited, but actually to see Jimmy's excitement every time we would come upon a new ad or something mm-hmm. about his dad. You know. Huh. Yeah. I mean, we just never. You know, we just never dawned we, on we us. We had no idea. Yeah. I mean, you know, when Jack was starting the company, we found the ads that were, you know, buy play things for, you know, 25 cents. Right. And, mm-hmm. right. yeah. But um, then when my mother got into it and uh, started to get involved, the ads got much more playful, uh, mm-hmm. much more, uh, teasing kind of ads. And uh, it was a joy to see them. You know, my mother was a flamboyant and she was one of the first women in the, you know, in the, in the, in the fifties or when my father died in 1959 and 1960 to, to run a toy company, uh, or any company. So it was all, you know, pretty amazing. Well, it was a real discovery process in the writing yeah. of this book. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was totally revealing. But, but like Jimmy said the other day, which is very true. The book 
sort of wrote itself. Okay. It uh, did. Once, uh, once we found the history, we just mm-hmm. repeated it. We, you know, we just from, were able to connect the dots, you know, puzzle yeah. pieces together. And it, it came together seamlessly, sort of. Yeah. Wow. So I kind awesome. of imagine and you could do a, we could do a whole thing of just about your mom's role there, because, again, that's a pretty fantastic story. Um, yeah. Thinking yeah. about how. So, you, you know, you a lot of the stuff you said you learned about your father just by research. Is it did you not know that because of how the culture was then it was such a bigger separation between, let's say, what the adults did and the children did? Or was it just by nature of your youth? Uh, yeah. I mean, my father, obviously, when he started the company, none of us were around yeah. in 1922. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was, you know, very young. I was 10 years old when my father passed away. And mm-hmm. towards the end of his life, in those days, heart disease was much more formidable than it is today. Sure. Mm-hmm. And my mother started running the business with him and then basically running the business four or five years before he passed. So... Uh, I have, you know, vague memories of seeing him in the office with my mother, but most of my uh, knowledge of the business when I was a kid came during my mother's years. And I, I imagine your <laughs> this is just my fantasy. I imagine your youth much being like the child of Willy Wonka, you know, where you <laughs> have access to this wonderful factory. I mean, I did love going to the showroom and mm. uh, just playing with whatever I had, you know, there on the floor, you know, uh, knock hockey, peg tables. Um, so that was fun. I mean, it's definitely more fun growing up with a family that is in this business than it would be, uh, you know, a shoemaker or, uh, (laughs) (laughs) a number of pictures of Jimmy, um, in the showroom. I mean, in in, in the catalog catalog and (laughs) on the cover. Someone had asked him the other night if he remembered doing that. And what he really remembers is going into the showroom and playing, but he doesn't remember the pictures being taken or anything. But he actually Mm. made the cover of which year? 1955. 1955. And I don't think he knew it. So it's really genuine. (laughs) You weren't faking it. (laughs) That picture's in the book if you want to see it. Um, yeah. Is it, was it like, you know, is, is tend to think about, look, my parents, when I was growing up, I don't know what they did. You know, they, maybe they told me the title. I don't think they even told me that. So I had no idea what they did, but was, was it growing up in your household or game? Did games play an important role at home as well? Uh, well, I mean, the business did. I mean, I do remember coming home and my mother would be in bed with papers thrown all over her bed, you know, working, working, working. Um, and I remember going out, you know, for dinners with the family when I was a kid and they would just talk business. And I would say, well, let's talk about something else for a while. And then I do have those memories of, uh, you know, growing up in the business. Well, show certainly at least a passion for it. I mean, a, a love for the, the work that your, your family yeah, for. Yeah, no, hey, right. when it's a family, it, it was definitely, I mean, you know, peripherally, my brother, my sister, uh, my cousins, there was a lot of family and extended family that were involved in the business over the years. And my mother came with a family with five sisters and a brother and to some degree or, or less, some more or less, you know, almost every one of them had some relative that was part of the business at some point. 
Did you now? We know. Ult, spoiler alert, folks. Ultimately, you you're you're working. You're running the running the company certainly in, for at least what forty years, and you're working for the with the company for longer than that. Right. Seven well, thir- right. The, the the interesting fact is, my father was president for thirty seven years, and then I was president for thirty seven oh, wow. years. Aww. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. So, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to pretend like I didn't read the book. Uh, okay. Was it always your dream to one day run the family business? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, like many people, absolutely no idea uh, what I was going to do. Yep. Um, I was a, my brother was a philosophy major, so I tried philosophy for one semester. I didn't understand a thing they said. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and later in life, it helped me write instructions, I think. But um, I, right. uh, out, of, out of college, my brother said, you know, why don't you go to work for the company, the toy company? Uh, whatever you do in life, it will help you get a background for business and negotiation. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first I said, OK, I'll give it a few years, you know, or a couple of years or whatever. And, you know, one year led into the next, into the next, into the next and uh, then it hooked me, I guess, like a lot of it hooked. His, his mother began to rely on him, um, yeah. you know, with the factory. You could talk about that and, and, the, and the school products. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, that was that was the that was the changeover. I mean, I started working in the factory and doing some educational sales to schools. And then uh, my mother gave me the job of selling some educational products to school systems around uh, New York and nationally around the country. So I did a little traveling, but, um, eventually, you know, you start to learn the factory and then you learn the mechanics of everything. And then you started to sit in on product meetings and you start to build a knowledge of what you think, you know, will help build the company. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm 51 years old right now. I still don't feel like an adult, uh, which may be a product of my generation. Um, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, like it's got this Peter Pan syndrome of some kind, but, but I can't mm. imagine being a, at your age in 1977, right. having this responsibility thrust on you to take over the company. I, I, I did you feel a tremendous amount of, of pressure for based on the legacy of it at that point? That, um, I don't know how this sounds, yeah. but I never felt pressure. Mm, that's mm. good. Mother, I don't think ever expected me to run the business mm-hmm. and consequently I just never, Hmm. At that issue. I just was doing what I was doing. Right. And uh, when she saw that I moved the factory successfully uh, with a help from a lot of people, she felt I knew enough to make me president of the company. And I took it on. And shortly thereafter, she hired this marketing fellow who I talk about in the book, Shelley Greenberg. Right. And I had a lot of ideas, but he helped me reinforce belief in myself that these ideas were right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of ideas, but I didn't know. Hey, right. maybe this is. Pretty. Um, <laughs> but he thought we both thought a lot alike, and together uh, we changed the direction of the company from being a toy company into a game company. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it seems yeah. like you know the, the stories they share in the book. It seems like the two of you together really. Uh, gelled in such a way that uh, was able to, you know, sort of lightning in a bottle, how things took off. And, uh, you know, you're exactly right. I get chills mm-hmm. thinking because it was a perfect <laughs> marriage. Yeah. You know, he had other interests. He was just a consultant kind of, but uh, the time we spent together was invaluable. Right. Yeah. And 
look, you took over, you, we didn't know this until we, you know, so I read the book. You're responsible for so many of the games that we played, you know, in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Uh, and since, and so that's our era of our youth. Had so many of these boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I told, I was at my mom's house a couple of days ago and I told her I was going to talk to you and she said, hang on a second. She went out in a room. She came out, she still has our Chinese checkers and our mastermind. Okay. Oh, oh my! Awesome. Yep. She yep. didn't have the box for the Chinese checkers. I was disappointed, but she masterminded still. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in, in, in maybe unfortunately, although you know, maybe it doesn't matter that as kids, certainly we don't we don't realize that there's this <laughs> there's one company that's responsible for so many of the games that we loved. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, right. you know, you know Rummy Cube, but you don't know who makes it. Right. You right. know, you know, yeah. I'm gonna don't know who does it, and mm-hmm. um. Hopefully this brings a little attention to the fact that there's a Pressman toy company. So I'm so happy to know about this because, and and I have your, your father to thank for this, apparently uh, your father, Jack, (laughs) for popularizing Chinese checkers. Yes. (laughs) That, that is a beloved game for me. It's, it's a, like an indelible memory for me of playing that with my grandfather. That was our thing <laughs> that we would do together on lazy summer afternoons. And so thank you <laughs> to your dad. Who used to win between you and your grandfather? Hmm, I think it was pretty evenly divided. <laughs> At least that's how I try to remember it. Yeah. <laughs> so at the, so the end of a long day when you decompress, have you had your fill of board games by then? Or, or do you find that you find other ways to unwind because you're like just anything but a board game right now? Or is that you find that still integrated into your leisure? <laughs> no, we, we find other things. I mean, during COVID, <laughs> it was great to play together and playing Rummy Cube and some of these we other had games. Rummy Cube tournaments. tournaments right. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Other th- yeah. But yeah. it's, it is integrated yeah. into our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but- not in a crazy way. Right. Yeah. Played a fair bit of Uno over the years. Not, not our game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Plug for the Uno folks. Yeah, and uh, I was telling them earlier, but just hit after hit, mm-hmm. uh, so many things. And actually, I should say, well, I mentioned this to these guys earlier. In the seventies, the monster makeup. I wanted that. Oh, the magic wow. of Harry World of Blackstone. I wanted that. These are the things I coveted for Christmases. I never oh. got Jim. Oh, you never got them. No. Oh man. Uh. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I love that in the 1980s, the slogan, you know, to get to your, to your point of, uh, sort of, uh, or what sort of what element of what we're talking about, that the tagline was games people play together because yeah. mm-hmm. so many of our memories are about certainly the games, but it's like Kat was pointing out. It's the person that we were playing with. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember right. Right. playing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, playing Rummy Cube with my sister when we were homesick from school, you know, while the price is right was on in the background or something. Mm. Um, <laughs> Oh, oh, and and yeah. how you know even the stories in the book are fantastic about yeah. how you relied eventually on your daughter as a sort of yeah. inspiration for what games maybe children might be interested in. And by the way, we've got at least two of those Scooby Doo games still that we play: <laughs> <laughs> Mine One and the Mansion One. Oh, fantastic! Ooh, the license lasted like I think we fifteen years. I think we were doing Scooby Doo games, and yeah, it was all because Kate, you know, was at the age she was watching Scooby. I, I, I looked into the ratings and, and everything and it was on, you know, 28 times a week, mm-hmm. and, right. yeah. you know, doing anything with the license. So we went to Warner brothers, uh, got the license, uh, you know, for a very minimal amount. Uh, and, uh, it was, it was one of the best licenses we ever had. 
Wow. Were there any, there's nice. so many successes in the book. I mean, it's really kind of unbelievable. <laughs> the stories in here, how just by happenstance, in some instances, you just was just like Nickelodeon, you know, that story about Nickelodeon, how you got Double Dare. And, uh, yeah. Uh, was there I love any, that. Were there any that you, that got away, that you, some license that you coveted, but you just. Uh, good question. Um, n- n- nothing that rings and that comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, uh, there were some deals that fell through when we were looking at buying some companies. And I always said some of the best deals we never made, you know, were the, were the ones we never made. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, um, and obviously there were some licenses we got where we paid some money for that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, they say if you hit 300, you go into the Hall of Fame and, uh, you know. He's there. And he's, he's there. there. <laughs> <laughs> and his dad's there. It's just amazing. Yep. Exactly. That's great. As you saw yep. in the 1980s, because you look, you came in in the late 70s, just when home video game consoles were also starting to become popular. You know, Atari mm-hmm. VCS was mm-hmm. out in what 78, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They only became more and more household items as they became affordable, and with more companies and competition. Did you see some sort of change in the interest level of, of board games? We, we never did. We we kept expecting something to happen, yeah. and eventually, over the 20 years, at different times. Maybe they would give a little bit less space to the game to the game board aisle and a little bit more, you know, to some other new digital digital or electronic thing. Mm-hmm. But overall, the game board games kept coming back. And uh, you know, I guess the last hurrah was in the year two thousand when we had the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire game. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I, I think that success would be hard to repeat because that was we were alone in that segment. Nobody else was doing a millionaire game, and now. You know, if we had a millionaire game, there'd be a handheld version, a computer version. (laughs) But in the beginning, in the late 70s, 80s, 90s, um, there might have been a little ebb and flow, but board games uh, were doing extremely well and not affected, really. It is quite Mm -hmm. astonishing. And even today, Mm -hmm. where they're even more ubiquitous. And even in my house, where we have several gaming consoles, we buy Mm. far, as, as a family together, we more often play board games than any other type of game. So... Mm-hmm. Having all of our choices, mm-hmm. we'll still get. And Rummy Cube, by the way, my mother, my wife, and daughter have their own little tournaments. As often as they can. And my daughter, who's twelve, she kicks their butts. I mean, she's just quick. I, mean, I can't yeah. follow. Rummy it. Cube is in regular rotation at my house. Is that right? That too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I have a confession to make. Okay. I've What's never that? played that. Get out of here, cat! You're not invited. Oh. You're off the show. <laughs> but I want to now. Oh. And that's and something to look forward to. For, yes. for cat. That's right. I always have something to look forward to. <laughs> so I really do want to get to this story because talking about how games play such an important role in our lives, there's an interesting story in here of how a game played in the, an interesting role in the meeting of, of you two, of the bringing together of Jim and Donna. Can you Ooh. care to share that tale? Oh, I, 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 I've thought about this because people have asked us, and actually, Jimmy doesn't know what I'm going to say next. Yes! But um, perfect. <laughs> it's pretty interesting because, okay. yes, um, I mean, I had never met anyone who, um, <laughs> you know, created games or anything like that. So sure. you know, fun and light and exciting but and this is not to toot my horn at all um but i had been working in the i I was working in the cosmetic industry when i met jimmy and at the time i met jimmy 
I had been in research, product development, uh, packaging, marketing, merchandising. So the truth was we spoke the same language. Mm. Mm -hmm. We would have conversations or whatever. I knew exactly what he was talking about. I had, you know, worked on the production line, not worked on it, but worked with everybody, you know, for uh, first runs, uh, quality assurance, that type of thing. So, you know, a lipstick, a board game. Sure. Different, (laughs) but bringing something to the market the same. And um, we spoke the same language uh, from the beginning. So how did that relate to the therapy game? (laughs) We we started to talk about the game Ah, and and, I, uh, I, you know, we we spoke the same language, sort of bringing, I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's romantic or or what you want to hear, but... uh, I, I think as a relationship goes, uh, we spoke the same language. Yeah. So that was, uh, there you go. I learned something. There you go. <laughs> the language of love. It was, it was no, I understand. That. Yeah, that. We both lived in the summer. We were renting different places in the Hamptons and, uh, Donna came over with some of her friends to visit <laughs> me and my cousin who knew them, my, uh, uh, Larry. And, uh, we just were talking during the night. No, and I, I saw the game and I, the whole thing was very so I gave interesting, Donna, exciting I gave, I gave Donna me. therapy, the game. <laughs> you have to put the game in there. I, said, I gave Donna therapy. <laughs> I, I have no idea exactly, but, you know, it was a game that was, uh, we were talking the other day and in, in, in those days, these kinds of adult party games yeah. were not so popular but this was one of the first and it you know yeah, right mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and we related over it so right. yeah yeah so i love this i've never played therapy i've seen it and i probably the last time i've seen it it was one of those things where it's well it's not for me but now i want to play it because in the <laughs> book how it talks about how the game says uh you, you answer questions in six stages of life by curing right. other players Quote, you never know what you will learn. End quote. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to play with my co-hosts here. Yeah. Did you guys ever get to play the therapy game together? We, we did. did. We did. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't have a recollection of, uh, what, you learned, of- what you learned about Donna. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah. Well, you guys were married five years later and have been married, have been together ever since. So, uh. There you go. Yep. A love made yep. by Pressman. Yep. Yes. <laughs> hey, we want to thank you. Look, not only for documenting again, this is a book for anybody. Mm-hmm. You like games, you like history, you like, you like love stories. All right. There you go. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a wonderful book. It weighs way more than actual any Pressman game has, but it looks and is the size of one. So it'll sit right nice on the coffee table there. Um, but thank you not only for putting this together, because it, you know, it gave us, it gave us such an insight into the, in the Pressman toy that, we didn't know about, but thank you so much for your, what you've done. Your family has done for decades because you've bring in, you've brought to me and so many other folks, of course, Mm -hmm. hours Mm -hmm. and hours of enjoyment and, uh, you know, uh, bringing our family and friends certainly closer together. And we're certainly grateful for that. Yes. And I'm going to ask for Rummy Cube for Christmas. Oh, I got to make a note. (laughs) (laughs) I I just hope, you know, when, when people find the book that they'll find, a lot of the games in there that they have in their closet that, you know, that they didn't mm-hmm. came from us. Thank you very much. A pleasure. You know, it didn't occur to me, because I don't know that it's so overt in the book, but how young Jim would be, would be taking over the company 
So uh, how old when he let's took see, over? He was, well, you really want me to do the math here? Oh. Let's see. Oh, I thought you already <laughs> did the math. <laughs> let's see. He was 10 and 59. Okay. So what's that? Okay. Let's say in 79, he would have been 30. So in okay. 76, when he was made EVP, he was 27. Wow. Right? Or 20, something like that. 27. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So 78, he takes over. So he's 28 years old. Is that right? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's good so enough. Do you remember yourself at 27? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was not prepared to be an executive at an international corporation. I can assure can you, you. Imagine, I know, right? Big I could nope. barely manage my own bank account, let alone. <laughs> what if right now someone said, John, can you take over this? <laughs> right. I'm nearly double that age and I'm still not prepared. Right. <laughs> I mean, just so fantastic. I mean, that is yeah. so cool. Yeah. I think it's cool how he said he wasn't, he didn't feel any pressure because yeah. I think he was suggesting almost, it wasn't like he, he didn't have the ambition to do it anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's just kind of like, Oh, I guess I'm doing this. He just kind of, you know, yeah. he, he kind of fell into it. And I clearly he had an aptitude for it because oh look at Pressman now. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was immersed in it. He grew mm-hmm. up around it and <laughs> maybe yeah. could have done without it when he was younger. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, it's nice that he didn't feel that pressure. He didn't feel mm-hmm. obligated. Yeah. It just right. happened. And like I told you guys earlier, I mean, incredible growth in 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really, you know, astounding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how fortunate that he would meet someone who, you know, in some way they had us like Donna was suggesting similar, you know, sort of this, uh, you know, similar um, experience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. brought together by a love of a game that I'm going to play. I'm going to find that therapy game. We're going we're gonna to play it together. I'm going to learn about it. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is our show. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, there's no amount of preparation that will. There's no. She's no. picking up a card and all it says on it is fart. <laughs> that's, that's why she's that's laughing. For John. <laughs> our show is brought to you every week. Thanks in part to our early adopters like Kathy Burke, Rick Parker, and mm-hmm. Karen Flieger. Mm. And thank you especially to our secret of our success level Patreon supporters, John Henderson, mm. Craig Coletta. Marcus Taylor and mm. Tony Great. I, I always think of Tony the Tiger. It's great. <laughs> and a very special thanks once again to our sponsor, Recess Games. Mm-hmm. Seriously, if you're looking for a gift for the gamer or for yourself mm-hmm. uh, this holiday season, I'm talking about games, board games, puzzles, gaming accessories, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, go to recess.net, R-E-C-E-S-S.net for all of your gaming needs. All right. Hey, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. Bye-bye, guys. This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.